0: Okay, you all, I have a confession to make. I was under the impression that it's really, really easy to write a children's book, and anyone could do it, and how hard could it possibly be, right? Well, the older I've gotten, the more I've gotten to see what a truly wonderful children's book looks like, the artistry that goes into it, the amount of literary substance these books hold— and all meant for an audience that can be very, very discerning. Children's books are not easy to write, and sometimes they're not even that easy to read and understand. Welcome to your favorite book. This week's guest is Brenda Shaw. Brenda, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well. I'm thrilled and humbled to be on your show. How about you?
0: I'm doing really well. It is an evening recording session, which I'm happy to do normally. It's mornings or afternoons, but as we were talking about before we started recording, you have a child, and getting kiddo to bed is the most important thing. Yes,
1: we can talk freely and not worry about being interrupted, I hope.
0: Right, absolutely. And speaking of kids, we're going to be talking about picture books and Kidlet today with uh, today's book, Sugar in Milk by 3T Umrigar. And I am so excited to talk about picture books. Um, it's something I've loved as a child, and but not something I've really started thinking about as an adult until recent years, actually, and we'll get to that. But um, you, on the other hand, you spend a lot of time in the picture book world, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you do.
1: Yeah, so um, first I wanted to, if it's okay, just make an acknowledgement um, that there is a lot of pain and suffering in the world. Um, this is not related to Kidlit. I mean, just mean like as human beings. Um, I wanted to make that acknowledgement. Um, I read somewhere on the internet that if you're able to go on with your life um, it, after hearing about all these uh, pain that's going on in the community, um, normally then that is considered privilege. So I wanted to say that us talking about our favorite book is privilege today, which is not. To say that it's a bad thing, um, mm-hmm. but I just,
0: there's a lot of good in the
1: world, and one, your show is one of those things, so I just wanted to acknowledge that I'm so happy to be here. Um, thank you. Um, as we were talking before, I'm like a new fan, but I went and listened to all your um, episodes, so I'm super excited to be part of it.
0: Thank you so much. That, that means a lot, and I'm so happy you acknowledged uh, the inherent privilege that it takes to sit down and have a conversation about something as... You know, joyful is literature because, you know, for a lot of us out there, this isn't a time of joy. And I think we can acknowledge that and appreciate that and recognize our own privilege. But at the same time, engage in the things that bring us joy just with that awareness.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That's kind of what I wanted to point it out. Um,
0: Yes. Yes. So. But back to
1: your original question, I mm-hmm. got into Kidlet. I've always wanted to write a book for as long as I can remember. That's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. That dream was so vast and nebulous that it kind of scared me into turning 180 degrees the other way. I have a degree in pharmacy, I'm a pharmacist, mm-hmm. um, not related to writing. Um, but you know, uh, over time, fast forward to 2020, I'm we're here at the pandemic, it kind of like, in the way that it makes you kind of rethink your entire life. Like, what am I doing? I I need to prioritize writing. Um, And I wanted to write a picture book. And the best way I thought that I could learn the craft was to read books. Um, Mm -hmm. And obviously I do that with my son. That's in the context of me after I became a mother. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's kind of how I got into kid lit. Um, Just because I had to, because I had a kid. And then I started to find um, the gaps in South Asian representation and kid lit and I figured yeah. like hey I've always wanted to write and why not I, I have stories to tell so I want to take a whack at it
0: there's so much that I can relate to with what you just said right there um I also work in the medical field I'm a genetic counselor and I also have had this lifelong dream of writing a book and something I'm puttering like puttering away at in my spare time but I kind of went 180 in the career world as well and Writing is one of those wonderful things that you can make space for in a variety of ways, even with a different kind of day job. But uh, I'm interested in knowing what brought you towards writing a picture book. Did Is that something you came to after you had a child or is that an idea you had before? No, I, it's not, it's, I never
1: wanted to box myself into a type of book mm. that I wanted to write. But I also never thought that, hey, maybe I could write a picture book until I started reading them, and I realized that, wow, adults can really enjoy them at whether or not they read them with kids. Uh, they're works of art in themselves. So yeah. I think it's also a, a very big challenge to write. You have to, in thirty-two pages, you have to have a good story arc. You have to have good illustrations. You have to have uh, relatable characters but also a conflict and then you have to solve it like all very quickly every single word really matters in a picture book Mm -hmm. Um, so I just thought that it's what my son is into now and it's kind of like a muse like I want to write for him I want to write for everyone he represents in his entire generation and so that is kind of where it uh where that passion was reawakened in me
0: yeah absolutely and I Love what you were saying, too, about South Asian representation, and it's something I have tried to focus on with my show with the number of South Asian guests and readers and writers I've had. Um, I'm interested in knowing, you know, you've been collecting these picture books. Do you find it difficult to find books that represent South Asians the way you would like to see that representation occurring? Or are those books out there and we just don't know about them yet?
1: I think they're out there. They're definitely way more out there now than there were when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there are so many stories within the South Asian diaspora and even non-diaspora, like the original, you know, people in yeah. India or all South Asia. I, I shouldn't say India because that's not the only country in South Asia. But right. um, I just mean that if if you knew a hundred South Asian people and asked them to write stories, you would get a hundred different stories because there's just so many facets to it. Well, well that gap is being filled there are still lots of other gaps too.
0: Yes. And this book in particular, which we're going to get to, it captured a very specific South Asian group, and just a very specific experience, but at the same time capturing something very universal. And we're going to talk about that uh, in particular. But I, I like how the current South Asian books I've seen have been specifically, it's not just like, this is a whole India, and this is just the whole country and what we do. It's like, this is what my family celebrates. And these are our customs. And it makes things just a lot more personal.
1: Yeah, everyone relates to their culture to different degrees. So we need to see all that in all kid lit and adult lit too.
0: I'm interested in knowing, you know, becoming a parent and reading books to your child, do you often find you're trying to strike a balance between offering the books you would like your child to be exposed to, or just like—is your child the kind of child that's like, I want to read this one book twenty times, and don't really want to expand things? How what's that yeah. like as a parent?
1: Oh my gosh, yes, there is a book. Um, we got it from India for him, and it's a book of Gujarati letters and English letters, and without fail for the past year, he's wanted to read that almost every day, and I you know go to the library when I call back like 20 books and sometimes he doesn't look at a single one Um, (laughs) so it's just and you know it also depends on what he's into yes of course I let him read what he wants and that's part of uh, uh, cultivating that love of reading Um, but I also try to sneak in there some sort of South Asian representation whether it's like animals or you know something just because I feel like it's very for him it's um, the right time to build a kind of that foundation with mirrors in books right now is more important. Um, and we'll get to Windows as he um, gets older, is kind of what I'm envisioning for my family.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I like you bringing up the Windows because that's a quotation you brought up as we started talking about Kidlet. And you brought up this book and it's a paraphrasing Rudine Sims Bishop. When you mentioned this quote, I looked into her work and I was so impressed by the kind of advocacy she's advocacy she's done. And yes. the yes. fact that she brings picture books to older students, her grad students, adults and shows them. And basically this quote, it's the idea of books as windows and sliding glass doors. And I would love to hear sort of what you take from that sentiment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, for my family, um, again, this is just for me, I can't speak for all anyone else except myself. Um, I would like to show him what it's like to be in India as well as what it's like to be um, a child of a child of an immigrant um, from India mm-hmm. in or South Asia in, in books. So that includes history. It includes animals. It includes Uh, biographies it includes um even a storyline there's um, a book about a laddu that goes to india so just like it's a it's totally cute and funny and benign but like that is a type of representation Mm -hmm. Uh, it doesn't always have to be content it could um also be by an author or an illustrator or a publisher that um to me uh represents south asia too so even if it's If the content isn't South Asian, it could still be South Asian representation because of who created the book.
0: I am very enamored by the idea of a Luddu going to India and I need to find (laughs) that book now. That sounds very adorable. (laughs) (laughs) And I think when I thought of that quote, especially in the context of this book, which we'll get to, I also was thinking of, you know, windows, you know, being something you can see through, but you're standing on the outside looking in and then sliding glass doors, being able to walk through them and made me think very deeply about the concepts of sympathy and empathy. So when I was in graduate school, we sent, spent some time, you know, when you're in a counseling profession talking about well the differences between those. And one analogy we saw is, say, somebody is dug in a hole and sympathy is similar to standing outside the hole and looking down and saying, oh, that that looks really far and that looks really difficult. And empathy is like sort of allegorically getting down there in the hole with them and Mm -hmm. really trying to put yourself where they are and showing more of a, I, I see that this this situation must be difficult for you and really engaging with them on that level and that's where i was kind of seeing windows and sliding glass doors and for a child who may never experience some of the specific things we may see in these books this is a good way to sort of engage and build up those nascent feelings of empathy
1: absolutely um picture books are a great way to start conversations with kids. It's a great way to teach values in kids. Um, and it helps us adults find words um, that are meaningful and also understandable for kids to teach these things. And for even for ourselves, for adults to understand the concepts also.
0: Absolutely. And I think that brings us very nicely to this particular book. So this book is, as we mentioned. Sugar in Milk by 3T Umregar. I'm hoping I'm saying her name correctly. Um, illustrated by I believe Koale. Mm-hmm. And this book, um, I was so surprised by this book for two main reasons. One was the the subject matter, and the also the gorgeous illustrations. And we're going to talk about both these things. Oh my goodness, this book was beautiful. And so to to give you all a bit of a plot line for this book, so. Uh, this book features a young girl who comes to America and she lives with her aunt and uncle and she feels homesick and lonely for the land she left behind. And her, her aunt tells her story of a Persian legend in which Persians leave their homeland and seek resettlement in India. And they're trying to convince the king to allow their presence in this new country, even though they are foreign and unfamiliar. It's a very gentle telling of values, but very, very relevant, to a certain degree, unfortunately relevant.
1: Absolutely. It depends on kind of how we want to structure the conversation about the book now. How would you prefer to do
0: that? Uh, so I think the first thing I'm interested in knowing is, how did you find this book and what about it really stood out to you?
1: I um, I actually went to an author panel um, with With the author, and she was speaking about the book, and I just, um, I had to get it. I had to get it. Um, I also have heard this um, historical story about the Persians that were um, being persecuted, and they had to flee um, to come to India. I think I'm historically saying that right. I think it happened Mm -hmm. between the 8th and the 10th uh, centuries. I think you're right. So it's, it's actually... Uh, real. Um, and the way that that story is told within the story of the character now, um, in the present time is, uh, is, it's so fascinating how they're woven together. Um, and, and then I just, there's so many things about it that I want to say, I, I, it's hard to pinpoint why I love it so much. It's the illustrations juxtapose the story so well. Um, there were three things I'd like to point out about that, if that's okay with you.
0: Absolutely, go for it. Um,
1: first i have the book in front of me i'm flipping through it uh when the main character arrives to this new country um, i'm pretty sure it's america mm-hmm. um yeah. it's snowing in the beginning so in this book weather is really reflecting her mood and her connection with this kind so it's yeah. snowing which is like a symbolism for like it's very cold and like um almost like dead outside there's no people um, there's no leaves on the trees and everything's covered in snow yeah as her uh as she um hears the story with her aunt and as time goes on towards the end of the book uh, she starts uh feeling better about herself being in this uh, new place with new people and in the the very last spread is a picture with uh the tree is blossoming, and there are people out. Everyone's holding hands. There's pets. There's music. So uh, it's almost like spring, in which uh, she feels better about being where she is and feels connected. And that is also reflected in the weather. So that uh, we have a, a uh, the benefit of no video here, so no spoilers for any of your <laughs> viewers or listeners. <laughs> um, but the weather really is reflected in the mood, and that that's one way that this book is a work of art
0: yeah
1: um the second part thing I noticed was that when the aunt is telling the main character the story of what happened um those pages have a very pretty border around them Mm. so if you are trying to you know flip through and see where in the book you are you know that you're in the part of the storytelling part because of the border. So yeah. that's also one, uh, one way to consider this a piece of art. Um, and the third thing that I wanted to bring to attention that makes this a work of art is the peacocks in the background. Um, when the two leaders are um, talking about you know, the sugar and the milk and like why the new people should be let into the kingdom there are two peacocks drawn in the background. As they start to understand each other, the peacocks get closer and closer and bigger and bigger, and they have more and more feathers. Um, So by the time they're all hugging, it's a beautiful spread with peacock feathers in the background, and um, it's very colorful. So I just thought that that was a beautiful representation of the two uh, groups of people coming together.
0: Yeah, those are are beautiful subtleties that I've read this book. And, you know, it was my first reading. And I, I picked up on a couple of these, but not all of them. And so I, I really love that you point out these subtleties that really contribute to this book being thought of as art. And the winter perspective, I, I think about that, especially because if we're assuming these characters came from South Asia, I mean, we're indicated by skin tone to a certain degree, as well as the story that's being told. You can also think that in much of South Asia, we don't really have a lot of wintry weather, not the whole country, but a lot of South Asian countries and a lot of people may not be exposed to wintry weather. I think of my father's own stories of coming to America and coming to America in a winter and just not being used to that feeling and not being used to snow and ice and having to find a coat. And you're already in a new country and it's just more stimulus that's being added on. And it's like, You can add that onto the idea of bleakness turning into brightness, but also just a totally unfamiliar feeling.
1: And the majority of the spread is white, which is, uh, it's almost eerie.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. And another thing is I loved, I mean, we're getting into the illustration is how the illustrators play so well with light and shadow. So there are some beautifully shadowed illustrations that sort of help illustrate the moods the characters are having. So there's a lovely page where, the, the the young girl is just alone with a book, just alone in a room, and the aunt kind of peeks in to check on her, and there's so much shadow going on there. And even for kids who are, you know, not fully grasping the extent of the story, they can see the sadness on the face, they can see shadows. These are things that kids are able to perceive, and so I'm glad they're introducing some of those uh, subtleties in the art as well as in the storytelling.
1: And I'm moved by it every time I open it.
0: <laughs> I, I think another thing is we're getting into the subject matter here, and it's thinking about the idea of immigration. And, you know, it's, it's a story of acceptance. I mean, we're not going to spoil, but the, the sugar in milk is just a beautifully poignant, important phrase. But the idea of coming into a country and having to justify your presence to a certain degree, like there is some beauty in that, but there is also some, some tragedy there.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's so it's so um, relevant to today, and I've, today is World Refugee Day, so that's another.
0: Oh, oh, wow! What what good timing? And we're not given the specific circumstances of the young girl coming to the United States, but we know that she is without her parents. She's moving with her aunt and uncle, and the girl looks quite young. And it's it's hard not to draw conclusions, especially with this kind of story, but you're left wondering if the circumstances were less than ideal for her coming to this new land. We don't know that, but it is very possible. And that's an important story that needs to be shown.
1: Sure, sure. I agree.
0: And I I guess I'm just wondering, like, some people may argue that messages like, um, I'm trying to say like coming into immigration, these might be heavy topics for kids, or kids don't need political topics at a young age. And I'm I disagree with that, but I'm just wondering if you have anything to say on that specifically about, you know, exposing kids to these topics at such a young age.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think that um, it's necessary. Um, Everything is political. If you're in any sort of system, it's political, Mm -hmm. including publishing and books. Um, And it's hard to say that children should not be exposed to the concept of immigration when a very big majority of them are. It's their yeah. lived experience. And if it's not, then it's a good way to create empathy. We talked about that before. Yep. Uh, but it's it's very, com- it's more common than we think. And to not talk about it is kind of allowing the white gaze to take over the book.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it comes back to what we were saying earlier about being able to accept what's joyful in our lives, but also be aware that things are not joyful for everyone. And I think that's a message that kids can learn soon and should learn soon. It allows you to navigate the world in a certain way. It's, we can understand a joyful story in a beautiful book, but also understand that these books can have heavy messages and should, that if they're tailored appropriately for kids, which this book definitely did.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I the way that I've also told my three-year-old three year this uh, story, I don't always read the words that are on the text. Sometimes we look at the pictures and we kind of um, create the story instead of, you know, if there's, for example, a, a, a huge tragedy, I just tell him, oh, look, that she's, he or she is sad. What's going on in the book? Why do you think that is? And uh, It's a great springboard for us to have those types of conversations. We don't always have to read the text. The pictures are also... A form of reading.
0: Yes, absolutely. And it's another way for kids to engage with the words on the page. And this is actually where I I wanted to bring this in. So I mentioned earlier that I haven't really thought about picture books in my adult life for a long long time. I hadn't thought about it. And then um, about five years ago, my now husband, when we studied abroad, we were in college, he was feeling sad about leaving behind his young siblings who were quite young at the time, picture book age. And so he started recording himself reading kids' books on putting them on YouTube so they would have his voice to listen to and get to read hear some of those favorite books again. And it's something he still keeps up with from time to time now that we live away. And he does that, too, with some of the books where he will, you know, bring up other things on the page or point out something silly. And usually these books tend towards the silly, but... You know, adding a little bit into the books and focusing on the pictures and I I never really thought of reading books in other ways other than just reading through all the words the way you would with an adult book but picture books give you this tremendous amount of creativity and these different ways to engage with who you're reading to.
1: Oh, yes. That is so endearing that your husband did that when you were abroad. Um, I've also, with my son, I've had him tell me the story based on the pictures, like no context of the words. Um, and that's also kind of a way for him to build the skill of reading too.
0: That That's wonderful. Because I mean, at, at three and a half, you know, you're starting to build some of those reading skills, you know, recognizing letters and pictures, and yes. you're starting to build the foundation that'll, you know, aid them as they get older. And I'm just curious to know, you know, you're a parent, and obviously a lot of the books you, when the way you view picture books is through the lens of what a kid might enjoy, but what do you think an adult or even a childless adult like myself could gain from reading more picture books?
1: Um, I think, as I said before, we sometimes don't always have the words we want or need to describe things we might be feeling. And even if that's a very simple or short word, um, just knowing the word and having that vocabulary as an adult is very important Um, for us to also communicate with each other. um, For example, like between spouses, you know, loved ones, it's very important to have the words to be able to communicate how you feel. Um, And I think they are works of art. If, If you, I'm, kind of a literary nerd. So um, I like to notice um, similes and metaphors. And uh, if you, in, in the picture book that we're talking about here, sugar and milk, if you look read the text about when the um, leader is mixing the sugar into the milk, mm-hmm. a lot of words start with S. There's a lot of alliteration, which is the yeah. same sound that a spoon makes as you're mixing in a cup. So, just noticing those types of literary devices is is so gratifying for me because I am a huge nerd.
0: But me too. You you don't come on a podcast about books unless you are a huge nerd, yeah. (laughs) But that that's so true, and I feel like these literary devices and this attention to detail it sort of dispels that idea that writing a picture book is easy. I feel oh. like some people mean, be like, oh, it's a few words. I mean, the, the illustrators do all the work. Like, writing this can't be too hard. And that's just so not true.
1: It's so not true. I'm working on writing manuscripts, and I just was in a very intensive workshop. And my you know, manuscript was torn to shreds, and re- I had to restart. And it just – it's – so refreshing. And it's, it is a very gratifying challenge for me.
0: I love it. What is the critique process like? I mean, a workshop, I've been in workshops before, but I write adult fiction. What is that process like of critiquing picture books in a group? Can you tell me a little bit about that workshop process?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I'm part of SCBWI, Um, not a plug, just something I'm part (laughs) of. Um, And we have monthly picture book critique. So anyone in who is in the this, uh, South Central Ohio region. Anyone who's a part of that can join in in this monthly critique group. It's, it's been done via Zoom for the last year and a half. Um, and we share our manuscript, share our screen, read the entire manuscript. And the author has to remain totally silent. Mm-hmm. And everyone else talks about... You know, obviously very good things about the book, but also, you know, sliding in things that might make it a little bit better, uh, which is so important when you're the only one staring at your words. You know what your intention is, but once a new set of eyes looks at it, uh, you really get to know whether your intention came across or not. Um, it's so humbling to be able to be a part of that. I, it's, I've learned so much about my craft
0: Did you ever have the fear of sharing some of your work, especially if your audience may not be of a South Asian background, of whether the critiques of a South Asian oriented story might be due to them not, we can't relate to this, or, you know, some of the critiques you might see for a lot of people when you're the only one of a specific group for a largely white or non-South Asian audience?
1: Yeah, sometimes I get crickets um, (laughs) to to my critique. Sometimes they don't have anything to say because they just don't know. And that's fine too, Mm -hmm. but at least they can help me, you know, with like some sort of proofreading or, you know, something like that. But I think that as a community of kid lit writers, we're all just trying to put really good stories out there for all of our kids to understand and read. Um, So because we buy into that, we are much more willing to – accept criticism and not take it personally.
0: It's for the greater good. Absolutely. I I love that because that's something I've observed when you look at old picture books to now is you're starting to see it's not dominated by like one writer writing hundreds of books, maybe like a Dr. Seuss or a a Mo Willems, or obviously those books are classics, but now we're starting to see writers from a diverse background, you know, writers we never may never have heard of writing more and more stories. I was so pleased to find sugar and milk at my local library. I was afraid it might be something I would have had to special order, just because I was thinking, you know, maybe this is just going to get dwarfed among more popular books. But it was there right on a shelf with the new releases and picture books. And I found it and it made me feel good.
1: Isn't that great? I mean, we're our libraries and bookstores are now slowly very much starting to look like what our communities look like. And it should have been like that all along, but we can't fix what's already happened. We can just go move forward and make sure that
0: our kids now are very seen. Absolutely. It gives me hope for my future children down the road and for children that are already here, you know, of those minorities, as well as others, you know, it, it, it does everyone good to be, to know diverse stories and be exposed to them. Absolutely. And on that topic, Brenda, I would love to know, you know, we've talked about sugar and milk, and it's a bit of a short discussion, because I really feel that this is a book you have to read and look at and take some time to appreciate on your own. But Brenda, I'd love to open the floor and ask you, are there other picture books out there in the South Asian realm, maybe outside the South Asian realm, but books you really, really love, and we should check out as readers?
1: Yes, um, I actually have a list. Uh, as I said before, right now I'm focusing on um, books that are of South Asian representation for my family. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I have now um, is Free as a Bird by Lena Maslow. Uh, that's the story of Malala and the part where she gets shot mm. uh, has no text. So that is a great way to talk to kids about um, what happened according to their developmental or what stage they're at, you know, emotionally. Yeah no words to that. So whoever's reading it with them can kind of dictate how to tell the story. Yeah. Um, Margo in the moon landing is, is about a girl who wants to, can only can't stop talking about uh, space travel. So the South Asian representation in that book is very important because it doesn't dictate the storyline. It could be about anyone. And that type of South Asian representation is also uh, very important. Yeah. Um, there's the manic panic. Um, and there's an Easter egg that appears on each page and is the cause of the entire storyline, but it's not mentioned in the text at all. So you really need to look at the illustrations very um, uh, with a very microscopic uh, view. Mm. Uh, and then there's Ritu Weds Janni, which is a symbolism. It's a book about uh, the first South Asian picture book with uh, LGBTQIA plus representation. It's a, a lesbian wedding. Mm. Uh, and there's a water hose that people who are watching the barat, um, spray, uh, and it's decorated. It's a uh, illustrated as a snake. Mm-hmm. So the symbolism is that the, there are snakes spitting venom at the people who are getting married. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nimish, the adventurer is another one. The use of two fonts represents two speakers. Uh, so that's a very cool juxtaposition. Uh, home is in between by Mithali Perkins, uh, is a book about a girl who feels caught between two cultures. Uh, She also immigrated. uh, So she feels connect on the left side of the page is uh, illustrations in the colors of the Indian flag and the right side is colors, uh, illustrations with colors of the American flag. And the character keeps running back and forth as a symbol, symbolic way of saying she feels stuck in the middle. Um, And then desert girl and monsoon boy, the text of the juxtaposition and the images it's a, about the Rabari people in Rajasthan and it's just so amazing there are so many good new kid lit books out there that's a very short list of ones that I feel are works of art for children and adults I think that everyone should
0: check those out those sound absolutely amazing and a couple of things I want to bring up that you mentioned the first being the idea of a children's book about what happened to Malala which is obviously an important story because Malala herself was a child and right the idea of her shooting occurring with no text. I think that's something that's so underrated about picture books is that the negative space can say so much.
1: Absolutely, um,
0: It's not just what it's similar to poetry. You know, the words that are not there tell you just as much as the words that are there and giving, I, I can just imagine broaching that conversation with the child. What do you think is happening here? Like what's yeah. going on and hearing what they might say and reacting to how they might react. That sounds so Meaningful, and then the uh, the one you mentioned, uh, Ritu Reds Johnny. I think that's what Jani, she said. At the time, Johnny, B. Okay. Yeah, Ritu Redjani.
1: and
0: and the idea of the the hose being decorated as a snake, and showing you know an LGBTQ wedding in a South Asian context. So we're not only talking exposure to the South Asian culture we are talking exposure within the South Asian culture that still needs to be stated. And still, we still see homophobia in our communities. And so that's just working on so many levels there.
1: Absolutely. It's so, it's so important. It's that it's represented and that the commentary on it it is also uh, stated in a, in a way that if you look for the details, you'll see them and, If you want to talk to your kids about it, you can.
0: Yeah. And I I was racking my brain because normally I like to offer recommendations of my own when I can. And other than this book, which I definitely want to introduce to all of the children in my life, the only other picture book I've encountered with South Asian representation, and this was recently, was I. I read uh, Bilal Cooks Dal, and it was adorable. It's obviously not as serious as some of these other topics, but it's another kind of representation. the The idea of this book is just a little boy is inviting his friends over, and he's cooking with his father. And he says, "You know, we're making dal. It's a I'm really excited, but it takes hours to put together. And you know, as the time goes by, the the kids are starting to you know, ask questions, you know, is it good? It smells weird. It looks weird. And dealing with all those very familiar anxieties from that little boy's perspective. And then it all comes together so well. And then at the back of the book, there's a doll recipe in there, which I'm like, that's such a great way to just show exposure in a fun way, but one that's very relatable.
1: Yeah, it's so it's great. Um, And one thing that is really cool about that book is that it's the dad that's doing the cooking, which is not what is stereotypically shown in our, in South Asian representation, usually it's always the mom cooking uh, and making the girls help. So that was also -hmm. also very good to see the paradigm shift in culture.
0: I am just so this conversation and just this book in general made me so hopeful about what picture books can look like for our young readers and for the rest of us. You know, there's so much as a parent, I, I I've been thinking a lot more about parenthood lately as I've gotten into that time of my life. And, curating a library for my future kids is one of those things I'm really looking forward to. And I'm definitely going to be including sugar and milk and some of these under other wonderful books that you've mentioned. And Brenda, I'm so thankful for you and for the work that you've done on Instagram and some of your other platforms for bringing these books, you know, to my mind. And I'd love to know, you know, where can we all find you and the and the work you're putting out? Thank you so much for
1: saying that. Um, I started my Instagram as a way of learning more about picture books and what makes a really excellent picture book. Um, so the way I started that was a collab- collaboration mm-hmm. series in which I pair up with someone who um, also finds a book interesting. And we both write up our own takes. One person talks about the text and one person talks about the illustrations. And we post on the same day just to kind of generate uh, looking at picture books with a more critical eye and checking out those literary devices that I was talking about earlier. So this that's kind of why I chose this book for us to talk about. This was the first one that I um, noticed that and I was like, I need to turn this into a regular thing. So I am on Instagram. I'm at Brindas Bookshelf. Brenda's dot bookshelf. Um, and I'm open anytime anyone at all wants to collab with me, just shoot me a DM. I'm very open. It doesn't have to be a South Asian representation. I'm open to all of it. There's so many good books out there that I'm, I really want it to happen.
0: I am so glad that you're doing this. You are one of many wonderful picture book accounts that I've started to follow and kidlit is just as valid as every other form of lit out there. And it, it carries its own importance because it's educating our youngest, most impressionable people and, you know, setting the foundation for what could be a lifelong reading habit. And so if you haven't thought deeply about kidlit in a while, maybe this episode will spark that for you. And hopefully Brenda's Instagram account will help with that as well. Brenda, thank you so much for your time. It has been a pleasure having you on this show. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled and humbled.